All right. Hello, everybody. How hey, everybody. So tonight is Tuesday night at 7 p.m., and that means it's time for Outside the Box. So we have a great show tonight. In fact, I think we always have a great show. So <laughs> we have a great show tonight, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited for each and every one of you here. So. Uh, interesting subject. It's 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 so funny that um, Pastor Eric and I um, he put a post up, kind of a a blanket post this week, and said this generation. And I I wrote him and I said, how funny. Uh, uh, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about on Tuesday, and so. Right off the bat, the title of the show is This Generation, Spoiled, Privileged, or Right? And then the kind of subtext to that is, whose fault is it? <laughs> and so I want to, and when I, when I talked to, talk to Bishop Foreman about it, he was like, I'm on there tonight. I'm, I'm ready for this conversation. <laughs> so I think, but before we jump uh, too, too deep in, uh, congratulations again, Ivory, on, on, on your upcoming baby thing. So uh, how far along are you? Thank you. Thank I have you. three weeks left. Three. Are you going to make it three weeks, girl? I hope so. Okay. <laughs> All right. So right off the bat, Jones, I'm going to start with you. When you put that post up, what was your mindset? What was your thought? Well, remember, it wasn't actually a post it was part of my midday motivation and um, I had just been informed that a couple of members of my church were connected to a not them directly <laughs> let me say that were connected to a murder that happened Sunday morning mm. and it seems like to me that every shooting that happens they get younger and younger, you know? And so, and then it was tag team with the thing that happened on 6th Street, the, I think it was the day before, and or the week before, and, you know, they wouldn't arrest the kid from high school, you know, out of class. Find yeah. out today they had, the, they had the wrong person. But nonetheless, you know, it just seems like they're getting younger and younger, and it seems like to me, our generation has been lost because of our structure and our discipline. Everything that we once had is gone um, because of this whole 
council culture society thing going on and i'm just i'm i'm just afraid for what our tomorrow looks like did you say afraid afraid yes you know my daddy was 84 so (laughs) you know td jake say it all the time and he get away with it yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Q. And so, he said, and so, I was, I'm just a friend. Okay, you know, friend. Y'all, y'all youngsters wouldn't know what that means. Thank you, Q. <laughs> <laughs> I see Bishop Foreman laughing at me, too. When, when I heard it, I just, <laughs> nothing but love, though, Pastor. You know, I got nothing but love. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, you, Jones, one of the things that I think is absolutely true is it seems as though a lot of what's going on, you're right, in terms of these shootings and killings, these folks are getting younger and younger. I, I remember when I was growing up, I grew up in a time when uh, disputes were settled with hands and not with guns and knives and and I'm not advocating for any form of violence. However, something's changed. Something's happened. Bishop, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I think it's a, that's a multifaceted um, question. And I think there's so many things that contribute uh, to that in terms of culture. Um, and so I think if you're talking about uh, violence and the value of life. I certainly think we have seen what appears to be a devaluation uh, of life, but there's so much. There's so much that contributes to that. You've got uh, you've got racism on one end, which feeds and perpetuates a cycle of the devaluing of one's life, particularly black and brown lives, specifically black lives. Uh, you have got opportunities, socioeconomic disparities. There's so much that. that that goes into that when you say what's happening in terms of how disputes are being settled. Um, I mean, I think that's just a broad based thing. I think the reality is, is that we do live in a culture where um, things certainly are certainly not what they were. I mean, I think that's without a doubt. Ivory, uh, as a mother, um, what do you think is going on? <coughs> <laughs> um well no I was I was laughing thinking about when um I was coming out of high school which has been 20 years ago um <laughs> um but even at that time you know I was in a small town and there was a lot of shooting going on um so you you went to a party and you expected to be running down the street at the end of the night, you know, away from something. Wow. Um, and that was 20 years ago. So um, maybe it's just been a progression of things, but it's definitely not brand new. Let me say it like that. Um, so, but I think several things have happened. Um, I think we have a, a culture of young people who are not as resilient um not even being taught to be as resilient as earlier generations and some of that is the earlier generations fault um a lot of us watched our parents be very committed and hopeful for things that did not work out for them uh whether that be church jobs all kind of stuff 
Um, and we don't have those type of hopes. And I think as generations go on, they, they have less and less hope. Um, they say these are the generations that can't expect to make as much money as their parents. What's hopeful in that? Um, so when you lose hope, people do all kinds of things. So that's my surface level answer. All right, because we're going to certainly get a little deeper. Thank you, Q. <laughs> I want you to move in before I go to my next kind of question here. Yeah, I'm I'm really with Bishop Foreman on this. It is this question can go a lot of different directions. Um, but just as I, I listened to the question and I heard people talking, just what came to me, um, the first thing I thought of is who who raises our children? Like what that that would be my first question. Who raises who raises our children? Um, so um and um why wasn't it that way before? What's the difference now versus then? Um, so you can look at factors like the media. Um, the media, in a lot of ways, is raising our children. You can also um, argue that um, we are one of the most exploited races. See, because um, and I don't know if you want to um, give credit to the industry who pushes um us promoting violence and um, certain stereotypes, or do you want to put the blame on um, our own community for not standing up against those stereotypes? Um, you, you know, and then you have single parent homes and whenever, and that's the other thing, when you have a single parent home and um, the mother or father is working two or three jobs and they barely see their children and you leave your children to be raised by the things that they see on TV or the people that's around them. Um, and that, that imagery, the same in, imagery that's imita uh, that's um, entertainment for white middle America and rich kids, that's entertainment for them. When they listen to those songs, it's entertainment for them. For us, then it, it's life imitating art or, or uh, vice versa. So it's something that's much more real for our kids and it's much more than just entertainment. So. I guess this is that's the way that you have to answer those questions. And and also the last thing, and I, I toss it back to you. We don't have stability in our neighborhoods anymore. I remember I, I talked to my sister about this. We we moved to three different houses and we stayed on the same street our entire life. My parents still live on the same street that they did when they were. First. So uh, us, our neighbors, the neighbors knew you. The parents knew you, you, the, even your schoolmates and your classmates, you went to the same elementary and the same junior high school and the same high school. There was a different sense of community that people don't have now because jobs that plays a part in it too. You, you're not, people are not working at 25, 30 years and retiring. You, you know, you there for a couple of years and you move. And as you move that job, you may end up moving to different locations on top of that. So now there's just instability all around and all of those things play, uh, play a part. You know, I, and, and that's some of the stuff that I want to get into. So you brought up a lot of the key points that I want to to talk about. But before we dive in it, would it be, uh, Jones, a fair assessment to suggest that maybe part of the problem comes and a part of what kind of Q says from what we as parents now have allowed. My, like my kids, my, my, my oldest son is 30. Uh, my, uh, my second uh, kid is 25. My last kid is 19. Uh, and I'll be the first to admit 
that back when they were younger, I raised them in a very similar way to how I was raised. Um, and a lot of that had very strong and pronounced uh, expectations. There was discipline. There was um, a, uh, you know, a sense of accountability for actions. Uh, Q made a point. Um, I grew up when everybody knew me on my street and I couldn't do something around the corner without it being brought back to the house. And there were consequences for misbehavior. Uh, went to the same church as many of the folks that lived on the street. So Jones, my question is, is there some accountability that parents have to assume for their children and how their children behave? So, Ever since I've seen it, I've been struggling with this word fault. Whose fault is it? Because I believe there's just so many different pots into how we got here, right? Okay. So Q just brings up something, and, and, and I guarantee you, without it being intentional, it will become the theme. Back then, the village did raise the child. And so we would go up the street and play basketball, play football, this, that, and the other, right? Well, we wasn't comfortable with the fact that we were not in front of our house because we knew if we was in front of Miss Toden's house, whenever we messed up, whatever my mother was going to give me, she would give it to <laughs> Right? And it's true. Okay. Because before my mother even get the word, we'd already got our first whooping, right? From Miss so, Toden, yeah. From Miss Toden, yes. And so mm -hmm. Rachel posted something today, and I can't quote it, but I'm gonna say in general what she was she, she was what she was saying. Uh, it no longer takes a takes a village to to raise a child, basically because the village gets so offended, you know. And so when you say do the parents have some accountability? Well, whether you get offended or upset about it or not, you know, yes. <laughs> you know, parents do have a certain level of responsibility of how their children are. That's their job, you know. So here's the thing. The thing is, there's too many very uh, variations on how, what a parent looks like how to raise your child, you know, my mother, my brother, my, my brother did something when my mother went home, right? So not only did he get a whooping, but I got a whooping because I didn't tell her. Whoa. So I felt it was unfair for her to whoop me, so I ran away. I grabbed my sister's bike and I ran away, right? Well, back mm -hmm. then we didn't have no strategy. We just left the house. Well, nightfall fell. I was at Elvin Shed's house. His mother says, no, sir, you're not going to stay here. I'm about to call your mama, right? She calls my mother, right? Now, here it is. Watch this, y'all. This is how different it is. 
Not only did my mother whip me, when my grandmother found out I was there, she came by. She uh -uh. was, uh -uh. but she didn't come alone. My uh -uh. grand, my my grandmother brought my big mama with her. Uh -uh. So I got three whoopings, right? Three. If this was today, three people would be in jail. Three people would be in jail. Yes, three people would be in jail, right? So that's why I said there's so many pots, you know, that it pulls out of. But I think every parent has a responsibility of the future of your child. But it all depends on what that looks like to that individual. Like, we didn't, my mother, my mother, my daddy was not my friend. He was not my homeboy. He was not none of that. You you didn't say yo, you didn't say bro, you didn't say what's up, you no, none of that. Right? We were taught how to address them. At the time, I thought it was learning how to address my parents. Later to find out they were teaching us how to address adults. And so when you lose when you lose that level, right? Not only do they not respect you, they don't even respect adults. And and I don't I don't I said this in my life. That doesn't mean that in order for your kids to have respect, they gotta say yes, ma'am, and no ma'am, like we were raised. No, I know some people directly that did not require their kids or grandkids to say yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and all that. But they are still respectable kids. But it's only because they got it in-house. They learned it before they got out there. So they know how to do it because they learned it in-house. The reality is they ain't learning in-house no more. And so can you see if you can, go ahead. So Jones, here, here's what, and, and then, cause I want, I, I want to hear uh, Bishop Foreman. Cause I see what you're trying to do, Bright. You're trying to make me not be politically correct. I see what you're trying to do. You want me to say it like I feel it. And I, I'm not following I, I want you to say it how you feel it. Cause here's the deal. Let me tell you, just the other day, I'm gonna tell you two quick things. Just the other day, my uh, my grandbabies were over here, uh, seven years old and five years old, and I had a friend um, who I went to college with uh, back in, uh, in in the 80s, and um, and she asked my my seven year old granddaughter said, uh, uh, "Hello, what's your name?" and and he said, "Keith," and uh, she said. Hi, Keith. And I said, excuse me. And she looked at me and um, and he was like, oh, you know, that's OK. No, 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 it's not. Because here children put handles when they speak into adults. It's Mr. Keith or some other Reverend Keith, Pastor Keith, I, you're going to put something in front of Keith, because that was a, that, that was a standard, and, and it wasn't about and 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 my kids were raised just like you know uh, yours uh, what yes ma'am and no ma'am, but it was about learning how to be respectful and how to re listen. I, I watch these TV shows now, and I hear people using all manner of language, cussing, and all of that in front of their parents, and I'm going. Oh my God, I would be I would be having a full set of dentures if I were to speak like that in front of my parents. So Bishop Foreman, what I'm what I'm asking you, 
is the question that Nikki asked earlier. I get that's how we were raised. But Nikki says, are all those whoopings required though? But at the same time, and I keep my foot on my kid's neck. In other words, she handles her business, but are those whoopings that Eric described, are they required? Great, great question. So I, I think um, the, the, the direct answer to the question are all those whoopings required? No, every kid's different. But there's a, there's a bigger question, which is the construct of honor, the construct of discipline, period. And that construct, I think, is something that is certainly lost in American culture um uh, across the board every race uh, every background now granted that that is a macro uh, cosm examining the nation and so that there's examples like for what you just used he said look i don't care if he ain't read my past to put something on the man's name um so that but, that but that is certainly the exception that is no longer the rule i believe from a generalization we live in a culture where there's a general um disrespect and dishonor um, that is propagated in homes, as Pastor Jones said, uh, propagated in culture. I love what Q mentioned earlier because it is glorified uh, in music. And, and here's the interesting thing. There is an authority structure and we have to go here. There's an authority structure that should be challenged, which is the white supremacy authority structure that says you do what I say, boy, you do what I say, girl. That That is problematic. And that's not necessarily what we're talking about. I think the problem is in teaching kids and strength and teaching kids to challenge what should be challenged. Consequently, what also got thrown out is what should not be challenged, which is that of the respect of families, homes, et cetera, et cetera. So to the question, are all those whoopers necessary? No, um, but every kid is different. My mama, it took her one time. One. Um, yes, <laughs> just one time. Just one time. Here's just one time. Um, I was a kid. I've told this story before in church. I was a kid and I called myself saying something and we had a linear kitchen. And here's all I will say is that um, uh, the front of the kitchen was over here. The end of the kitchen was over here. I said whatever I said. But all I know is that at the I was at the other end of the kitchen when I started. <laughs> and from that day forward, I was like, the Bible says with Jesus, from that day forward, uh, he became subject to them. She didn't have no problems out of me from that day forward. Um, and so, but I respect my mother. I honor my mother. I, there are some things that my siblings do that I look at and say, this is, a, this is unacceptable. This is ratchet. This is a mess. This is a whole problem. Um, um, because I see it as, as dishonorable. Uh, but at the end of the day, I love what Nikki just said, that line, um, tragic. It, me too. It's been crossed. Because most parents won't, I won't say most, many parents in their desire to to give their kids what they didn't have, whether it be things or communication or what have you, in doing so, the respect has been brought down to where now the parent is the equal, the parent is the friend, the parent is bro, the parent is hey sis, the parent is brought down, and then consequently, then you know they they get treated that way, and then get mad when they get treated that way, but you brought it down. Yeah, I, I think it's even, uh, uh, it, it's even, it, I remember one time Haley uh, asking me when, when she was younger, who is Roy? Because for so long, she didn't even know what my name was. <laughs> Q, so how do we, how do we, how do we combat this line shift, this uh, momentum of, 
um, lost respect. How, how, how do we how do we combat that? Big picture, you don't. Um, small picture, you handle your family and you handle your inner circle and the people that you have influence with. That's it. This world is is the direction that you see is going. It's going that way. Um, and it ain't going to stop. Um, but you do have the ability to control what's in your household and your circle of influence. That's all I got. That's all you got. I agree. So when when you hear that um, parents are now friends and um, this uh, uh, seen as equal um, to the children, What do you as now even, you have kids, but I have another kid. How do you frame how you handle that in your home? Um, so I'm, I'm mixed between the two. I definitely, my parents actually dealt, dealt with things two different kind of ways. And I feel like I'm mixed between them. Where my dad was just completely like, just do what I say. Don't ask me any questions. I'm only going to say it once. Um, and you knew after he said it, if he said this room better be cleaned up by the time I get back, if he walked in and it wasn't clean, he was going to get a belt. Like he wasn't talking again. Where my mom, she was a little more conversational. She was willing to explain some more stuff and have some more conversation. So I think I'm working in a, as a mix of two, but I was laughing listening to y'all talk because my daughter's only four. And even now she'll say, mommy, you're not my friend anymore. And I got so much old school from my parents. I'm like, look, girl, I don't need no friends. You know, like, I don't need no four-year-old friends. <laughs> you know, so like I'm already there. Like, we're not friends. Like, I love you now, but... I don't, mommy don't need no more friends. And so she'd be looking at me crazy. But I think, and because this is what I learned as I was becoming a parent, I wanted to read a lot of books. I wanted to get some more knowledge than I originally had. I didn't want to do it exactly how my parents did it. I didn't want to be on autopilot. And if you don't read nothing, you don't put no new information in, you autopilot normally what your parents did. Or you go completely opposite and don't do nothing they did. Um, so from reading books, learning a little bit more about child development, how their little brains work, um, kind of the emotions, the things they go through, it keeps me from whooping for just the sake of whooping, right? Just knowing the difference between, okay, this is just a, a three-year-old thing. This is just a four-year-old thing. This is where her brain development is. Hey, that look was outright defiance. You finna get popped. And I don't care that the book told me not to pop you. Because we ain't getting that new age. I skipped that whole chapter. So I just think you have to just do like it. You have that. to have a good balance. So, so Jones, um, you know, we've talked about, you know, it, it, are those whoopings necessary? Are we losing something? Because right now, our, our, let me tell you something. And I don't say this being funny. And I don't say this for any kind of sport or whatever. But I have three kids, and in the history of my parentage, I've had three calls from CPS. So each one of my children and I were involved in a CPS situation. 
Um, are we losing something? Because right now, as you said, three people would be in jail right now. Are we losing something because we are afraid in your in your in your words? <laughs> because we are afraid of um, physical discipline. And because right now it is not popular. <laughs> Folks are very, very, very firm that physical discipline shows a lack of restraint and ability on the parent, as well as that the parent is teaching children physical violence when they spank. Are we missing something because we are afraid to do physical violence or are we contributing to the idea of physical violence by whooping and spanking? I don't think I don't think the that's not what we're missing. We're losing. I had two, but since Bishop Foreman said it so eloquently, I'm gonna use three. We're losing respect, discipline, and honor. That's what we're losing, right? So let's be clear. Whoopings is a cultural thing. That's how we were raised, right? If you gotta beat your kids in order for them to have respect or discipline or honor for you, then you shouldn't be a parent. Number one. Uh, my parents had uh, different different type of ways. So my stepdad growing up never touched us, right? But if they said the kitchen better be clean by the time we get home, right? If the kitchen wasn't clean, he was cool. He didn't say a word, right? But what he'd do is get up at 4 o'clock in the morning with a pot and a spoon and bang that pot and spoon so loud that it scared the living daylights out you out of your sleep, right? That was his form of discipline. Meaning, he ain't gonna touch us, but there will be a penalty for not cleaning, washing those dishes. It's different ways. I watch Mama Faye, my second mom. I watch she watches her grandkids every day, especially through this pandemic, going through school with them, whatever. I rarely see her touch them, but she doesn't have to, because in one way she's very, very nice, and you know, so grandbabies, but they know she don't play. So, where we where we lost where we where we lost is the avenue somewhere in the middle to teach them respect, discipline, and honor. Whenever you or your child's friend, buddy, homegirl, homeboy, I promise you one thing: it is gonna be hard for them to honor you as a parent. I promise you that much, and then. Q said something a while ago, man, that was just so deep. I don't know how he just ran by the second base on that. Who's raising our kids? I heard a lady tell me this straight up. I heard somebody actually, this came out of their mouth. I buy my child things as a form of discipline. This is what she meant. The more I buy them, the more I can take away from them. So if they mess up, I'll take away their gadget. So what wow. happens is when they're not masking up, they're on their gadgets all day, all day. That's all they do is be on their gadgets, right? We have to go outside. We play every sport there is known to man. We will play baseball, basketball, hockey, kickball, football, every ball there was, we played it outside. And now these kids sitting down on their phone all day, overweight, 
health problems, all of that, because they're not challenged physically and they're not challenged mentally. I told a lady at my church one day, stop saying you know your child because they don't know that they got suicide gated out here. So it's a matter of who's raising your child. Whatever they see in culture, that is what they're going to try to duplicate. And that's one of the greatest problems we have right now is they're trying to be what they see. Q, you raise your, your finger. Yes, that part right there, um, like the media, kids on their tablets and on their phones and stuff like that. Media, you're allowing media to raise your children. That's on us. That's on the generations and, and what comes uh, above. This is something I wrote down, and, and this is what I tell people all the time because people compliment me on my kids. I have great kids. I love them to death. But what, what I tell them is, um, like, developing and raising your children, it takes time. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. And a lot of times it's easier to just allow your children to sit on that tablet for five hours a day because you don't feel like taking the time with them to engage them in other ways. You don't feel like taking them to the park. You don't feel like taking them on a walk or taking them and teaching them how to play tennis or playing board games with them and all this stuff that's going to take your time. It's going to take time right. from you. And once you get off work, yeah, I'm tired when I get off of work, but you have to invest in your children. You can't sit there just because you're tired. You don't have the energy to make that investment. When you don't do that, then you get those type of results. And then you find people who just try to do it because I say so. Um, Maybe they should do it because you say so. But is that the most effective way for you to raise your children? It's usually not because. I see a lot of people, number one, whooping shouldn't be your first, it shouldn't be your first reaction to uh, any type of form of discipline. That shouldn't be the first thing you think of, do it or I'm gonna beat you. And on top of that, um, you shouldn't whoop your kids absent of explanation or understanding. When, when, Whenever my kids get disciplined, they know why they do it. We have a game plan so this does, doesn't happen again. And we, we teach life lessons in between that moving forward. So we'll know why it happened, why we don't want to do this. And forget about me whooping you. You might get whooped. It's possible. But what are long term? What are some of the effects of you making this decision that's going to go past? Because this is what I always teach. Mike. I'm not going to be around forever. So even if you keep this same mindset or these same actions, there's going to be different consequences other than just getting in trouble by me. You have to explain and teach kids those, those type of things. Um, but anyway, that's all I got from there. I, 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 see, I just seen the comment. I just seen the comment. I got. I got to handle it. I just seen the comment. Okay. Okay. Put them up against about the kids going outside all day. Uh. Okay. I, I didn't read, you. You went too fast. Oh no! I'm getting to it. Kids ain't built like that no more. They can't go outside nah, like that no more. Nah. They'll melt. It's, it's hot. We, we used to go outside. <laughs> we go outside one color, come back in a whole different color. They don't make so, kids. Oh, like it, 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 I, I seen it in Jess. <laughs> oh no, she's right. Okay, I thought it was something else. But but to that point though, Roy, you know my house. We had the backyard in the field. Yes, sir. And a field yes, behind sir. it. Yes, sir. Everybody came to the field. When Absolutely. I said we played hockey and all that, that was from the field. But she made us go outside and be productive. You know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't know. If you told an eight-year-old to drink from a water fountain right now, 
they would lose their mind. <laughs> you know, that's all so we they, that was it. <laughs> you filter what? <laughs> so, but the thing is, I think the challenging part is, um, that's why I said there's so many pots that you have to you have to draw from. Um, you can't say fault, Roy. Really, it's just so many reasons why things are the way they are right now. I particular, I particularly just have an issue. I think with the whole sit on your tablet and do this all day. You know, and and, and once again, back to the village thing. It'll never be a whole village again because we get offended. You know, like for example, my son comes to me, Bishop Ford, he, he, he said, and then he said to them, and then he, he hit me, and then, right? My first response as a parent, what did you do? Not no more. Right? That ain't no Not more. No more. Not no more. The first thing Who does Mr. Foreman think he is whooping my yep. kid? That, and they that's make a post about it. One thing I don't do, I don't praise about mine and this, that, and the other, right? The village is gone. The village is gone. Because you can't, matter of fact, you can't even trust people to do stuff out of love no more. Because you don't know like that. For real. You don't, don't know that. You know what I mean? Because, see, first of all, you don't like my woman. So my kids can't hang out with you because <laughs> I don't know how you're going to treat them behind some inner anger you got with me. You see what I'm saying? You know, and so it's just kind of different. I think old school people can kind of relate. And I say old school, but I just think it's just training and how we raise. We were just raised differently. We didn't have the culture. You know, the worst thing that can happen, Roy, is my mother will wonder, the worst thing I'm gonna do is get in a fight at at uh that piece of joint off of Springdale or at a football game. My mother had to worry about me getting shot or me shooting somebody. It's culture, that's what they see. You know, guns is popular. You know, and so you know, that's just that's just what now in Texas, you don't even have to have a permit no more come September first. No, you, you just go buy one and be done with it. Go buy one and be done. Bishop Foreman, you uh, use your air conditioning though. Huh? And use your air conditioning on the temperature wall, but you can get you a gun and do that. Right, right. Can't vote, can't vote, can't vote, Larry. You want to vote, but you, but but you can get. But you go get you a gun. So, so, Bishop, I can't, I can't even go fishing without a permit, Bishop. No, sir, you can't fish without a license, but you can go buy a gun. And and what is the, what is that message communicated? That wildlife is more important than human life, but that's a whole separate issue. Yeah. Oh my well, God, that was a whole sermon right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wildlife yeah. is more important yeah. Bishop, uh, one of the comments came up that says, kids do what they see their parents do. If their parent is on the phone all the time, the kids will be on there. Has this become part of the problem? Is that parents, that, that well, we already know that kids emulate what they see, but has yeah. this become the problem really that we are, the, the kids are seeing parents do things that are now shaping their behavior in a very different way. I, I would absolutely say that. Uh, but but again, I think it's it's there's so many things and I love how Q answered it from a from a macro level. Um, what can be done, 
you know, yeah, I mean, that's not that's not even your responsibility to fix. Um, you got to go Joshua 24 is for me in my house. And I think um, is that true that kids emulate their parents? Absolutely. Um, I think it really I think one of the most important things a parent could do is realize that when you play, you pay. And the payment means that I now for the next 18 plus years, um, I my life is not my own. Um, so all this, mama got to have a life too. Well, mama knew when mama was playing, daddy knew when daddy was playing, they, that comes with a payment. And, you know, I, I think if we really want to be realistic about from the parental side is recognizing that it does take time. It takes energy. It takes investment. Um, because if you don't do it, something will, something will fill the leadership void, whether it's YouTube, TV, culture, music. Your kids' friends, which is why when they go over their house, they come back acting different. Uh, their friends, their mama and them, their, you know, somebody's going to raise your kids. But the, but the real thing is that God trusted you to raise them. So from a parental standpoint, that's the job. Like, that's the job. Do the job. The job is, yes, you tired from work, but the job is, <clears throat> but we're about to get this. Like we used to do, uh, my great great grandma, we would get on, we call it get our lessons. He was like, come on in here, boy, and get your lessons. My mother, we right. would get our lessons. they checked home. They made sure your homework was done. What? No, I did it. Okay. No, show it to me. Tell me how you got that answer. I used to hate that more than the actual schoolwork. <laughs> just no, just I just, you know, that she did the work. Um, and, and so I think we now have a generation where we are not used to doing the work because it's not just kids that are away. Look at what's happening. Let's look bigger in the employment market where you got people who who don't want work, um, who get jobs. And their whole concept of the job is, well, like, I didn't come here to work. Like, like I'm not going to do all of that. I ain't going to be doing all of that. Well, OK, it, it is it is a cultural thing. We have to do the work. And if you're going to be a parent, you got to do the work. You got to spend the time. You got to make the investment. And yes, you're tired, but this is the job. So take you some vitamins, get yourself in shape and do the work, do the job. You know, uh, uh, there, there was a joke said before, but I mean, the reality is true that now uh, grandma is 35 and big mama is 50. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when I was eight, my big mama was 78, right? Yeah. Uh, now, I want to go back a little now, bit on what Bishop Foreman said. <laughs> All right. I'll let you go for now, it. Now, with, with um, I want to give this younger generation a little bit of credit. Now, I don't say that you just shouldn't work and should lay up, but um, all that, you know, hard work will eventually pay off. No, everything that you do ain't worth your time. And a lot of these people see like, no, I'm not going to do just anything and everything. And the amount of money that you're trying to pay me is not worth the effort that I have to put out for. It. So some of this stuff where we just used to break our backs trying to do stuff to prove, well, this is going to pay off eventually. No, it, it don't always pay off. So um, there's definitely a balance to it. You do need to find a, uh, you need to find an area that works for you. But doing anything just for the sake of doing it and calling it work. I give them credit that they, they're not just saying I'm going to do anything and say I got a job just for the sake of having. Agreed. But then don't take the check. Then don't take the check. Then go then quit and go do something else. My, my point, and I agree with you, but my point is this, is that if you're going to if you're going to say you're going to do it, then do it. And so I'm saying that from parenting. Absolutely. Etc., uh, that's my that's my issue. So I, we're saying I agree with you. On I, that. Agree. I agree. My, my issue 
is that then don't then don't do it. <laughs> again, when it comes to kids, these kids didn't ask to be here. And so, you know, they didn't ask to be here. So at the end of the day, if you view yourself as a steward of your children and a manager of your children, where they're not yours, but you have to give them back to the Lord, you should be giving them back better than the way that they were given to you. Harvey, you were going to say uh, something. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I just think a lot of it is a symptom of a lot of the problems we have, which is this has become a non-committal, happiness-seeking society. Um, even in church, there's a lot of non-committal, happiness-seeking behavior. Um, and it's spilling over to how people are raising their children. It's definitely all in marriage. And then it's, it's in raising children as well. And so, I mean, we see in the job market, raising children, marriage. Um, I was just saying this to somebody earlier, like there was a time, you know, you talk to people and you didn't hear about how much anxiety medicine they was on. Um, you know, I go to work now and it ain't even like taboo. Like, oh, yeah, I take my anxiety medicine. I'm like, dang, everybody on anxiety medicine? Your boss taking anxiety medicine. I ain't got no problem with you on anxiety medicine, but everybody got to be on this. You know, so it's this thing where, like, we're just not as resilient. We're not as committed. And then we're seeking out happiness all the time instead of um, trying to have something real that we're building and you're not going to be happy all the time kids definitely are not going to make you because happy. it's in the instant because it's, it's in just happiness it's yeah. happenings that's what it is something yep. happening in that moment you could be happy about but that's not joy that's not you building legacy and all of those things so when i think about the devices i'm like how disrespectful are we of each other when it comes to devices um, I watched something once and it said, just having your phone in front of you on the table while someone's speaking to you is disrespectful. <laughs> I you no, I, I, I'm making a point. I think something can come through on my phone and it's more important than what you're saying. And our children are watching us disrespect each other this way. So I'm not surprised. So this is an issue for trusting God. I'm not. I'm not sure what you mean. Clarify that, Bishop. Can I just say to, to what Iver said too? Uh, the non-committal piece, um, uh, and I think the other thing though is thinking that because there were struggles that you encountered, that something was wrong. Um, I think because of advancement, because of evolution, um, there are struggles that. Um, you know, I'll just use this term for lack of a better term, younger generations, what have you, did not have to encounter. Um, and so the whole thought was, I don't want my kids to go through this. I don't want my kids to struggle through this. I don't want my kids. And, and some of that is definitely wisdom, right? Uh, severe poverty, that's wisdom. Um, drug abuse, generational curses, stuff like that. But if a butterfly in stage four does not struggle out of the cocoon, its wings will never be strong to carry it through the air. So the struggle wasn't punishment, but the struggle was actually to create it and set it up for success. And so I think when we look at culture as a whole, we have, we have removed so much of struggle that people, nobody knows how to endure anything anymore. The moment Buddy. one goes wrong, that resilience I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm well, God, you don't know how to endure nothing. Like, and, and it's all done in the name of my mental health. 
of yeah. my truth, of my emotional health. And those things are good, but not just because, and I mean this respectfully, as respectful as it can be, but not just because <clears throat> you're a punk. Because we have a whole world full of punks that can't endure nothing, can't deal with nothing, uh, quit everybody and everything, are passive aggressive, sociopathic narcissists. One hundred percent, and that's they exactly, people, though. They got they, they got the anxiety medicine, though. But 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 I think that's exactly what Ivory is talking about. This lack of resiliency, uh, and it's because there's this. So so here he, here here's the question, you know then. Uh, are they spoiled? That's part about the title today. Are kids today spoiled? Are they entitled? Are they privileged because we're protecting them from all the things that would grow them, would mature them, would build something inside of them? Are, are, are we doing too much to keep them from having to deal with some of the stuff that make us successful in life? I think, Roy, one of the biggest problems is, um, and I don't think I would subscribe to this because I don't think people should like stay married just to make their kids happy while they live in misery. But before we had a family structure, right? So now when you don't have a family structure, some people, some parents overcompensate for something that's lacking. So, and, and understand, kids just don't get spoiled. <laughs> they don't just wake up and, oh, I'm spoiled. No, they're spoiled because we spoil Somebody them. Spoiled them. Yeah, right. Somebody spoiled them. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody spoiled them, right? And so I just, you know, I'm just different because on Friday night when we got ice cream and cookies, that was a good week. <laughs> you know what I mean? But now they want the iPad now, the iPhone. It's cute, not the iPhone 10, 9, 8. No, they want the 12 Pro Max. <laughs> you know what I mean? They want and every four. game. Right, and and four. Four. right. You know, it's this sense of it. And you know what, y'all, for real, it kind of like starts showing itself with cell phones. Like, why is your child walking around here with a cell phone at four years old? You know, it just, it's, and it's almost like, you move from sport to entitlement because some kids have a better phone than their parents got. Some kids drive a better car than their parents drive. I want to sit right there, Pastor E, right where uh -huh. you said that. I, I want to focus in on that because okay, the question spoiled. We we kind of frame the question like our our kids today spoiled, but being spoiled. Really, it don't focus on the kids. It's focused on it, it, those who spoil them. So really, if we, talk, if we say the kids are spoiled, we really talking about us. I mean, that's absolutely. an indictment on us. Absolutely. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we drove you know that what? home. We're you know talking about us. We ain't talking about the kids. Watch this, y'all. Watch this, y'all. Watch this. And I blame this all on Rachel. So if she's looking on the replay, I want to make sure I verbally say this. I blame this on Rachel. I was not a real, real sneakerhead. You know, when I grew up like we wore George whatever, but I wasn't a sneakerhead until I started fooling with her. So now I gotta have every Jordan that come out. Right? Right? I gotta have every Jordan that come out. Well, here here it is. Watch this, y'all. So you everybody know my relationship and her relationship with Caden. You know, we call him my grandson. So we'd always buy him Jordans, cute. And he never wore. Them. You know why? What? 
He wanted the Batman ones, the Superman ones, the ones that light up. We spend eighty hundred dollars, and he wants the ones that cost seven. Right? What does that mean? That literally means that we are trying to live our lives through our kids, giving them what we want versus what what they want. And you're right, or Keith, need. You, we or need or, or need absolutely or need. Watch this. I just told somebody the other day. Why are you tripping out over when you all birthday party? They don't even know what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, don't stretch yourself out. It's okay. They have, they don't know it's birthday at all, right? That's you, you know? And so my, my point is, when we spoil them, is it some type of self-esteem issue that we have? When we spoil them, are we, trying to, are we trying to overcompensate for what we didn't have? Listen, Bishop, I'm glad you said it. I grew up in the struggle. And I taste nothing from my journey, right? I'm not one of these people that's going to say, I'm going to give you what I, what I didn't have growing up. Oh, no. Let me tell you what I had, right? I had a strong mother. I had a provider. I had discipline. I had food. I had clothes. That's what I had. But my viewpoint of what I had was different than theirs. The more you give them, the more they want, you know? And so I think you're right, Q, when you say our kids are spoiled, right? kid the kid ain't got no problem you keep giving it to him so it's really some type of issue that we have as to why we keep giving especially and i'm through but that old second kid that old second kid get everything because second kid, you march with dr king he trying to say you old i believe he trying to say what that you old i i, I mean i ain't being messy but i think that's what he said you march with martin <laughs> you, you know <laughs> Free, free got some kind of self-esteem issues. He always got it, it, it's about me. He always got a jab at me every time he sees. But I'm glad he's watching though. But I think it's an internal thing as to why we spoil our kids. Okay, here's a question. Uh Ivory, I want you to stab at it first. What about our cultures appear to have a different school of thought that makes sure their kids are set up for success? When they graduate, they credit a career oh I get the notion kids need to understand hard work, et cetera, but I want my child to have a greater head start at the same time, understand what that investment means. I think that's, that's interesting. Good. That is very good. Um, I always say this, you know, me and my, my husband talked about it once. Uh, we were at a high school graduation and that, um, that top 10% was all African and Indian names. Um, and he said, I want, I want our kids to be in that top 10%. I said, let's shoot for 20. I said, because that is a community that encourages that behavior. And that is just not the African-American community. That is not just a mother and a father that gets those kids the top five, top 10%. Uncle agreed, auntie agreed, grandma agreed. You ain't going to nobody's house. And it's not about that schoolwork. <laughs> And it's not about, you know, what your future looks like. Um, and that's just not currently our culture. But just going back to kind of what Quentin said, I mean, it's your house. It's your rules. Do it how you want to do it. If you want your kids to be more focused in and, and, and more resilient, um, more successful, I mean, that starts, the hard work starts in your own house. Like I said, it's not going to be as easy without a community backing you. But normally, 
grandma and grandpa in our community, they just they just happy to buy the kids some stuff and have a good time with them. I Bishop, mean, you raise your hand as a community. Right. And I think I think I think I think community is definitely important, but I think every community is not a monolith. And so um, even in the African-American community, you're going to have a litany of different approaches to that. One of the comments says my single mom got me to the top five percent. So the reality is, again, every situation here has got to go Joshua 24, 14 through 15. As for me and my house, this is what we're doing. This is what we're setting our kids up for. And I think that's really important uh, because even within the African-American community, you, there are uh, numerous examples of great success, achievement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think um, when you look at let's look at the you know white culture, for example, um, if, if you if, when you begin to make comparisons. And I think this is where the danger of comparison comes when you're dealing with communities in terms of a monolith is because you're dealing with a very different set, a very different starting point. For many, for many, particularly in the African American culture, um, what the last several generations have done have just been to get to the same starting point that the that the white counterpart has had for four hundred plus years, and so consequently, it is a different. It's a different. It's a different starting point. That's number one. Number two, but also look at the when there is a lack of discipline. Uh, look at the. Uh, other outcomes of that. For example, white on white crime is through the roof. Nobody wants to talk about that, but go to FBI.gov. White on white crime is through the roof. Mass shootings are almost always perpetrated by white individuals, white young men who feel what? Who feel like they, they're what they're entitled to is being infringed upon by other people. And as a result of their frustration, they take it out on the world, right? She didn't, she didn't like me. And so I'm going to go shoot up this thing, right? Uh, and so we have to, again, it's dangerous to look at culture from a monolithic standpoint because there are outcomes um, that, that are certainly there. And that's number two. Number three, I will just say in terms of um, the, the structure that everybody approaches with their family, with their homes, et cetera, um, it, it all goes back to something that I think we've all said and won't, in, in a different way, but the substratum was the same, which is that it's got to be on the parent. It's got to be on the parent. And every parent needs to know, even you may do everything right, and your child may still veer. And at the end of the day, you have to step back saying, I know I did everything I could do and I did everything right. I, but my mother did an amazing heck of a job. She's an amazing woman. I am the first bishop in my bloodline, first pastor in my bloodline, first PhD in my bloodline, first to achieve certain levels of financial prowess in my bloodline, first entrepreneur. All these firsts, but the deck was stacked against us. The deck was stacked against me. Um, we, the concept of community that we had, that wasn't necessarily there, but there were choices that were made in the house that affected what happened outside of the house. I would say to everybody, um, whatever you want your children to be, it's going to start in your house. Last thing, an African proverb. I'm just trying to keep up with all the time that Pastor Jones took. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just messed you. Know, you know, I just messed with you. I love you, sir. Um, there's an old African proverb that says the ruin of a nation begins in its homes. And so to every single mom, to every two parent home, to every single dad, to every big mama, big daddy, big whatever, great, 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 whatever, is that you got to look at those children and say, what is their future going to be? And what do I want to stand in front of God and say, I put in them and invested in them? And when you do that, that's your job. Not I, I, I have a couple of things. The first one, I want to point out something that Pastor Free said, and I, 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 
even one in the top five percent will end up facing the hurdles and struggles that come with our community at some point. I want to say absolutely 100% agree with you. And, and that's because those forces against us and our community will never be cool with us surpass, excuse me, us surpassing or even being equal to where they are. But let me tell you something. As a parent, I realized that I, uh, I didn't know any better, right? So them first two kids, man, they were trial and error. Let me just tell you, especially the first one, uh, trial and error. The second one, a little better. But it wasn't until uh, Haley that it, what what um, I think Ivory was mentioning and and what was uh, kind of said here is that where we actually taught her about credit and about uh, uh, managing her finances and this, that, and the other. And now I have a daughter who uh, was making less than her her brothers, but had savings accounts and and this, that, and the other, had her own credit cards and this, that, and the other. And, and so I think that as parents, we have to own the responsibility to do what we can, as, as everyone on this panel has agreed, started in our home. We have to set the standard that works. You have to, uh, as viewers, you have to set the standards of what is, what is acceptable and what works and how to move and drive and push your kids towards success. You cannot let it be a default upbringing by things that require your real investment into them. It cannot be the iPad. It cannot be the phone. It cannot be television. All of this kind of stuff. Eric said something earlier. We were not allowed to stay in the house during the day, period. We had to go out. I understand. Society outside is a whole lot different. Then you know what? Make up for it in the house. Get them some mind building, some training, some activities in the house. If you don't want them to go outside, put them in your backyard. Make them do something. Nowadays, parents don't even want their kids having a motor line. They'll mow it or hire somebody else to mow it. We got to quit. Boy, I sure want to say it how I want to say it. Take, the, take it out of their mouth. Take it out of their mouth. Breast. These kids grow up. Breast. Take the breast out of their mouth and let them grow up and start investing in them. That's just that's what I'm gonna say. This <laughs> Pastor Free also had another thing too. Did you see his comment there at seven? Uh, um, and I think that's a, that's an important consideration. He what says there's still spaces and places where you're just another black man. I agree, uh, monolithic abuse can be dangerous unless you're an African-American in this country. And, and I want to say, listen, I do not disagree uh, with the reality. <laughs> then he had another comment. I do not disagree with the reality of, um, of, of systemic, uh, intrinsic racism in America. Um, and, and I would just say my own personal approach to that, I literally have a personal philosophy that deals directly uh, with that type of thing. But I think um, that it is still incumbent upon me to do everything I can do to make sure uh, that I maximize every opportunity afforded to me. I can, I don't disagree with that point, but I do believe that every day it is my job to make sure that uh, every, uh, every injustice that has been uh, committed to our people that I fight to find a way to make sure that that is uh, retribution is uh, given for that. And so that's how I spend my life. I spend my life not just picketing and marching and nothing against that. I spend my life going into the room to get to, to cut the check, to change. Yeah. The you know what? Let me say this and we're going to be done. Bishop, 
the one thing that I'll tell you do not let them slide. You oh, do no. not let oh, them no. slide. Me oh, and Mr. No. We were in this conversation and I said, dude, just let it go. It's $40. Let it go. No. Absolutely not. No. He was ready to blow up the whole deal over $40. Sure was. And I bet you I got what I wanted. Because I believe this my approach is every little thing you will not short me. You will not shortchange me. You will not have treat me. And, and if I let me suspect, and here's the thing, a white person is never going to think, oh, I'm, I can assure you race isn't involved. Well, you wouldn't know that race is involved because you don't have the ability to be a racist because you're white. You're in the majority. So you wouldn't have the ability to know that. But every little thing, that's just me. And I'm not saying that's like prescription for everybody else. But Pastor Jones, listen, let me let me halfway think that I might suspect that it's got some level of racism. You're going to pay me. Man, let me tell you. The people thought, see, Bishop thinks that they put some protein powder in his shake and he going to make them pay for every order he's eating. Oh, yeah, smoothie to about to give me a whole franchise for free. Or we'll do a class action suit. I'm just telling, I just, I'm not, that's just me. Yeah, but leave me alone, Bishop Bright. No, okay, guys, thank you so much. <laughs> I think this was an awesome conversation. I hope folks enjoyed it. Thank you all guys for being here. I will see you guys next week. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye.